Hey guys, and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep dive conversations with talented voices in the theater industry. My name is Alexandra, and I'm joined today by Alex Given. He's currently blowing God's freaking mind eight shows a week in the Book of Mormon. Originally from Australia and currently making his London debut, he's a wonderfully talented actor whose previous credits include Anything Goes and My Fair Lady at the Sydney Opera House. It's always such a joy to talk to someone who's doing the Book of Mormon, which happens to be my favorite show on the West End, and I just think it's satire done exceptionally well, but this show also makes you think about your own perception of the world and our collective biases towards different cultures and stuff like that. So I just love this show so much, and Alex and I spoke all about it and what goes on backstage every night. Be sure to follow Alex on Instagram at AlexGiven and follow Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with Alex Given. Well, my name is Alex Given and I am from Australia, but I've moved here eight months ago now to do uh, the Book of Mormon here in London and the West End. Growing up there, like, when did you realize that theatre is for you? Literally forever, like since I can remember. I remember first day of like school and they got us to sit down and draw like what we wanted to be when we grow up. And um, I drew a microphone because I knew I just, I wanted to sing and perform. Um, but yeah, I grew up in the island off Australia called Tasmania, right down the bottom, so it's quite cold. Everyone expects me to be good with the heat, but I'm not. And it's just very small, but theatre is quite big there. As soon as I finished Year 12, I, I literally, a month later, flew to Melbourne, lived, moved to Melbourne to do uh, a course there called uh, at Patrick Studios Australia, which is a primarily a dance school, because I hadn't... I was too scared to dance. I did more sports, so I knew that if I wanted to pursue this, then uh, I'd have to pick up dancing. So I threw myself into the into deep the end. Deep end. Yeah. I did that course, and then the school opened a music theatre course, and so I was the first year of the music theatre course the year after, and halfway through, I auditioned for a short run of Anything Goes. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, luckily the, the principal of the school allowed me, because I, I got the job, and allowed me to do that over night time, and then I had nine hours of study during the day. Oh, my God. And then I'd go do the show at night time. <laughs> so it's absolutely nuts. And was the studying quite full on? Like, was it every day? Yes, oh very much full on. And it was about nine hours a day, and... Because I was funding it all myself, so I'd do nine hours of performing during the day, and then I would go and work from 6.30 till 1 in the morning at a restaurant in order to pay for the course. So there was not a lot of sleep that was had in those two years. But you made it through. Exactly, so it and it, was, it, it made me um, value it so much more. So, and then was London always kind of the dream? Yes. Well, I mean, first and foremost, New York was my dream. My first trip overseas was to New York, and I just fell in love with the city and the fact that 
the theater district is so small and well, not small but like it's condensed and so when you walk through there's just musicals and plays and and I, there's something about that city that resonates like energy at you as you as you live there so that was kind of always growing up I'd love to have moved there but um, then I came to London and I, I found another side that I really enjoyed the fact that it's so close to Europe and I just love that aspect of it which makes also which makes it easy for me because both my parents are British okay so you moved to London and can you just kind of tell us what was the audition process like for the Book of Mormon like because you were in Australia mm-hmm. I presume at the time so yeah. did you send in a video how did that it was crazy it was a crazy crazy time I was here on holidays at the end of last year and my friend who was in the Book of Mormon Patrick he said you need to move here and that's when I decided like I definitely want to be in London so when I got home Patrick said they're still trying to find a swing for the tour of Book of Mormon starting the mid this year uh, and so I thought this is my way in so I Patrick organized for me to send a video submission I put together like all the stuff that I would normally do in a Book of Mormon audition sent it off to them and they said great Alex um, but your final callback needs to be in person do you have any plans to come to London anytime soon and I'd been here two weeks prior and spent all my money and so I thought I can't like I just can't do that but I slept on it and thought to myself I never want to have regrets like I never want to think what could have happened yeah so I talked to them and three days later I, I literally spent my last dollar and I was here three days later auditioning in person amazing which was us surprisingly calm about the whole yeah. thing seeing as it was around the other side of the world for a job that I've always wanted to do um, but then flew back home and they said we'll let you know and um, weeks went past and I was staring at my phone and then after about three weeks they got back to me and they said Alex what would be the chances of you moving here instead of starting in June next year starting in the first week of January and doing the West End production yeah. and I said absolutely I would love to do that and they said we'll let you know <laughs> and so they left me another about week and a half and then they my agent gave me the call that I've got the job and I was moving to the other side of the world in amazing three weeks time <laughs> that's incredible that's it was such nuts. a success story I feel like this happens to one person in a million yeah. so well done you know, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I backed myself and that I didn't say, no, that's silly. I can't fly for the hopes of a job. This is literally a dream come true. Yeah, amazing. Well, now you're here. Mm-hmm. And how many times had you seen the show before auditioning? Like, I saw it for the first time in New York. I watched most of it through my hands because I couldn't believe that they were allowed to put that on stage. <laughs> yeah. When I went to Melbourne, I, I saw it. Um, and just love it. I mean, you can't not love it. Yeah, it's it's outrageous, but it's so funny. Yeah, just... and it's very cleverly. It's it's crude, yeah. but it's so cleverly written. It, I just, yeah, each time I watch it, even still, I, I find bits that I haven't realised how clever the, the writing is in it. 
So on that note, what do you think is the secret formula that makes the Book of Mormon such a hit with, you know, audiences pretty much anywhere? Because mm -hmm. it's such a global brand now as well. It is very much so. It's a musical that you can take anyone to that even if they don't like musicals, you see so many people, uh, so many like husbands that are brought along who don't necessarily like music theatre and, and you can tell they're a bit skeptical at first, but then the humour comes across and I think Book of Mormon almost makes fun of music theatre as a whole as it well. It really does, yeah. It takes the piss out of everything and everyone and I think that's what people enjoy. And, and so is there like a particular scene that you find difficult not to break character and just burst out laughing? Each night it's kind of different, which catches you off guard, which I love. I love when people play with because we're doing this eight shows a week it, if you're doing the same thing in the exact same way every show you, you're dead inside yeah you're absolutely dead inside so to watch people be able to bring this thing to life and still make me laugh when i've seen it like hundreds of times already i think that's a skill that's what i love but no i think i think the script itself you kind of get used to everything's funny about yeah. it like in my opinion everything's hilarious yeah you just keep laughing you start and you don't stop what is the difference i guess between australian audiences and the uk not necessarily this show but just in general i think there is a great culture in the uk of going to the theater mm -hmm. as part of the general public's things to do in their monthly agendas I think that is a brilliant thing and I think that's why the theatre world here would survive so well. In Australia, it struggles because Australia as a culture is a very sports-heavy country. So people would much rather go see an AFL football match than go see My Fair Lady. We really struggle in Australia with getting numbers in getting bums on seats and selling tickets. A show in Australia never has residency. Harry Potter that's there at the moment is one of the first shows ever to... They're going to be sitting there for about five years, I think. Really? Okay. That doesn't happen. A big show, like Disney shows, maybe last a year in each city, maximum. So essentially every show is like a touring production. Every show is a tour. Wow. Which is a tough lifestyle as well when you're going show to show. Like, I for six years was touring so I lived out of a suitcase which is really tough Gosh. but that I think coming here and working in a show like this where every single night it's sold out after and it's been here for six and a bit years now and it's still sold out every that is incredible and I think it allows producers over here to bring new work to take a risk because there are people there to buy tickets to, to see it. Whereas in Australia, they're struggling to sell tickets to the biggest of big shows. So there's very little risks being made on behalf of the producers. So you, we get the standards. We get the Oklahomas, the My Fair Ladies, the traditional shows that they know that the older generation are going to spend money on going to see. Yeah, I, I went to Andy Mientis' um, concert as well. Mm -hmm. He was in Smash, and, and he, that's something he mentioned is happening on Broadway as well. More and more people, because tickets are getting more expensive, mm -hmm. they look to go to, to see something that they know will be good, like 
Pretty Woman or, mm-hmm. you know, even the Book of Mormon, you know, things like that. There are commercial success stories. Yes. Yeah. Which is a shame because then the smaller show is just Absolutely. And then we're, we're going to end up just doing the same things over and over again because there's nothing new coming in. Like, for an example, I was lucky enough to be cast in My Fair Lady at the Sydney Opera House and... Uh, Dame Julie Andrews flew over to direct us for oh, six weeks. Oh, that's incredible. Which was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. But that was a primarily... that They pitched that towards the older generation, the wealthy older generation, who were going to see that show. So tickets at the Opera House were about $350 Australian. What? <laughs> which... what like That's who unreasonable. In their 20s can pay that even if they want to see an old classic no one can afford to see that so basically what they're doing is catering to an older generation who have money to spend they'll die off eventually and there's going to be no one seeing theater which is a problem Uh, i really hope because i know six is transferring to to sydney as well so hopefully fingers crossed maybe that brings in some totally and hopefully the pricing situation also changes but it's changing it's changing there's there's new theaters opening up in sydney like the hayes theater they're doing smaller productions that are cheaper and they're fostering new work as well which is which is amazing okay circling back to the book of mormon so i'm sure you've had some like funny mishaps happen on stage or like backstage can you share some the thing about the joy and the absolute scary thing about live theater is that we are human i mean i struggle to speak english english is my first language and only language and i struggle to speak english at the best of times (laughs) so when you're in front of a a large number of people and your lights are on you people come up like the things that come out of people's mouths when they panic it is so funny to me I there was one unfortunate night that I don't know where my brain was I was in the middle of my line and absolute gibberish was coming out and the people on stage with me were looking at me like what are you saying and I had to literally just stop take a big breath and be like Right. (laughs) I'm back. It was horrifying, but we got off stage and just fell about laughing. Oh, gosh. But that's the joys of of live theatre. And what was your line? Like, what were you supposed to say? My my line was, uh, it was in the middle of Act 2, and I say, well, somebody needs to tell that general butt-effing naked that people should be free to do what they want. But basically what the audience got was, well, somebody needs to tell that general butt-effing naked but effing naked <laughs> oh my gosh i can imagine it was awful because you know that everyone's eyes are on you and you're like oh no this is not going well but you know it, it's I feel a like, human it's literally I know. and it's a comedy luckily it's a comedy. so you can just they ended up laughing i think they thought that it was part of my character that i was a bumbling mess so it worked it worked so it all worked out <laughs> but on that note what do you think are the most difficult parts of the show um, it is a very, very strenuous show for us as the Mormons. It's an hour each act and a 15-minute interval, and I think I have five minutes in interval that I can sit down. The rest of the time we are going. And it is also a very vocally tiring show, and you put them together and it is. Like I always say, the, the last number, Latter Day, 
I ba- it's like doing an F45 fitness class <laughs> whilst singing. It oh is. my God, yeah. There is about like four counts of eight of star jumps while we're clapping and we're singing beautiful long through lines with no breath. So it's cruel. That's difficult. It's really, really difficult and tiring. But what helps that is the fact that we love it so much and the, the reaction from the audience every single night gets us through. The other thing that's stressful is in the number Turn It Off, there is a blackout where we're still tapping and we have to put on a bright pink colourful vest in the blackout whilst tapping and moving positions in a very short amount of time. That is so stressful because you don't ever want to be the person that didn't make it happen. And I don't, I think there's maybe in six years, I think that's only happened once with one person not making it. But it is so stressful. <laughs> no, I can imagine when I went to see it, um, I had seen it before as well, but mm-hmm. I was with my mom who was like loving it. Yeah. Like, but then I was just sat there, I was like, oh my God, I feel like one time someone's not going to do it because I had seen it before. I was like, oh my God, this is the stressful part. And yeah. I was so stressed for the people <laughs> on stage. I was like, oh, please make it. I'm cheering on yeah. you. But yeah, oh my God. Um, but yeah, but you guys do it so brilliantly. I feel like Thank you've you. nailed it now. And um, and everyone's so synchronized and just uh, theater. Love the, it. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other tough thing mm-hmm. is for us Mormons, we have to be presented perfectly yeah. at all times no matter what if we've done three big dance numbers in a row our hair has to be perfect we have to look together that is so difficult do you run backstage and just comb your hair or like it fix is, your hair you will every time that we're not on stage we're basically doing our hair because it is so much hairspray and the unfortunate thing is that every second scene especially in act one we're putting a hat on or a wig on when I'm playing the sister in the airport. Like I've got a full blonde wig on. We're completely ruining our hair each time. So we have to like blow dry it and do it and back comb it and spray the absolute hell out of it. I didn't even think about that. Oh it's my so frustrating. I poor yeah. my poor my poor hair. <laughs> it looks fine. You know, for all the listeners back home, it looks alright. <laughs> okay, well then speaking about Elder McKinley actually, yeah. um, so you made your debut playing this role yes. on first of June yes. this year. So what was that day like? Oh, it was also crazy. Was it like a last minute thing? Yeah. Or, okay, take it away. Because there's already two covers, but the first cover also has a first cover of, of other characters, but he was away that week. The other cover uh, is our resident choreographer, dance captain, David, who was up in Manchester putting the tour in. So I, was the, I had a couple of rehearsals with the resident to learn the role, Not, never with other people, never on like on stage or with costume or with lights or with set or anything uh and then poor stevie got quite injured with his back and so after the matinee he said i'm going off so you're on tonight no pressure (laughs) no pressure at all and so i literally spent the break between shows going over things and working out what i needed to going down to wigs and being like, right, what wigs do I need to put on during this show? 
going into costume and they're trying to desperately put bits on me. Did the guys stay behind as well to kind of help you out and like put you in? I had so many amazing people around me that day, like helping me out because it is, it's a blur. Yeah. It is an absolute blur. I felt it's like one of those stress dreams you have where you, you're like for performers, so many people have stress dreams where they're just chucked on and they don't know what show they're meant to be performing or it felt like that because I'd spent six months months doing my plot in the show and suddenly I was standing on another part of the stage singing different harmonies, yeah, singing was... different solo lines. And my brain was like, this is not what's meant to be happening. <laughs> but somehow it all happened. Oh, well done. It all Amazing. happened. I was so happy. Yeah, it went uh, so well. That's good. So I know it was all a blur, but like, did you have any like before you went on stage? Did you do you usually have any like rituals and like? I try to just breathe. I think that's something that people forget to do when they're yeah. stressed or going over things. So that's what I was trying to do, is instead of going like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and stressing myself out, I literally was like, you've got this. Yeah, you just take it in. Take you, it in. Have yeah, fun. Sure. So how, what kind of, I guess, audience responses do you guys tend to get at Stage Door and from fans online? It's it's so lovely. There's, there's always, I mean, it depends night to night, but there's always people standing at Stage Door just sometimes just to say thank you so much. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a group of people who, I reckon they're, they play the lottery and they sit in the front row at least two or three times a week. They're there wow. all the time. Regulars. Regulars, which is crazy. Um, but say like uh, recently, it's lovely, sometimes I check my messages and there was this girl that came to see it. She'd flown from Poland and it was the first time she'd seen a musical and she just wanted to say thank you. Um, and so, I, of course, I always, I always try and write back to, even to say, thank you so much, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But then we got, I got a, a parcel at stage door, she'd flown back to Poland and just kept thinking about the show and she'd sent us this, a massive thing of her favourite Polish lollies and, oh, amazing. A, and a CD of one of the local productions. And I was, it's so lovely. People are so... We get the most amazing reaction from audiences every night. I think to go back to your question before about what makes the Book of Mormon such a success, I, and I, I think the Americans said this when they came out to put us into the show. The show, even though it's silly, crude, just comedy, it has so much heart. Like with the, with the two guys who are so like the odd couple coming together at the end and being best friends and then realizing that this guy who's making stuff up has helped this African community like they're so the people literally the smiles on their faces that's the most rewarding thing is is in the last little sections of the show to look out and people are just beaming in retrospect like what are some of the most memorable things that you've learned about the world of theater throughout the years I think for me, one of the biggest things, and what if I ever teach, I always try and instill this in people, is just to be nice to people. And it sounds so simple, and yet it's not often adhered to. And I'm talking about crew, I'm talking about wig department, I'm talking about costumes, I'm talking about front of house. 
we're all working. Like, there is no, no stage as an actor are you above anybody else. We are Absolutely. all... The front of house people are just as important to this show as we are on stage. So, yeah, I think it's such an important thing to treat everyone in a job equally and with as much respect as, as the next person. Also, the fact that we are never, you're never going to get to a point in your life where you are done learning. Even the best of the best still train, they still practice their art. I think especially as actors, it's life experience. I think you've really got to have life experience in order to, in order to tell other people's stories. I think I always try an adventure as much as I can and see other cultures and, and see other people's point of views. So it broadens my mind to, if I get given a character, maybe I've met that kind of person or I've had to deal with that kind of person. I kind of understand it more. So I try and soak in as much life experience as I can. No, as you should, you know, yeah. and you can always try different mediums as well. I know you've done obviously modeling, a bit of that, and you know, TV, um, like commercials and stuff. Yeah. So, what's sort of the dream scenario for the next couple of years? Like, the dream scenario would be I would love to have a Hugh Jackman esque career where he goes and does a big film, he does X Men or whatever he's doing then comes back to Australia and does a tour of singing camp music theatre songs and then he'll go and do a play on Broadway and then he'll, like, there's so many, that's so exciting to me, like, there's, a lot of people are quite content to say, like, just doing music theatre or just being a straight actor or just being a commercial actor in doing TVCs and stuff. What excites me is to do, do them all and I think by opening all the doors, you're allowing yourself to be employed much more frequently. I'm happy that you're here. I'm so happy that I'm here. <laughs> Do you really think am. you'll stay after the Book of Mormon? Yeah. The amount of work over here is tenfold to what's in Australia. Having had all these amazing experiences so mm -hmm. far and still having a long career ahead of you, what are, are there any words of wisdom that you'd like to say to your younger self before any of this? Don't rush things. We want things to be happening now. We want our dream job now. We, why are we not in a job right now? Or if we finish a job, if you have two weeks of no work, like, don't panic. Yeah. Like if you look at some of the greatest actors in the world, in, in film or in theater, some of them didn't get their first jobs until in their thirties. Yeah, yeah, just to chill. I think that's the thing. I was very lucky to, in some circumstances, to go from job to job for a while. But then when I didn't have a job for six months, I was so down on myself, which is so silly. It's yeah. six months. You've been employed for years. Just chill and do life. As a 19-year-old self, I don't have the life experience that I do now. So if I was casting, if I was a casting director and I had me now and 19 year old Alex and they were both auditioning for me, but I would always go with someone with, that has more to give. But just keep working hard and things will happen for you. Oh. And not to worry. 
That's so lovely. That's mm. perfect advice. Okay, so now we've gone on to random section, which mm-hmm. is at the end of this. So yeah. it's a series of questions that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. It's just like a random way to end a conversation, I guess. But each of them have like a little Book of Mormon twist. Okay. So you ready? Yeah. Okay. So you know how Elder Price strives to be number one Mormon mm-hmm. out there? Yeah. So if you could become the one, number one expert in one niche field, what would it be? Speaking languages. If you were stuck in the spooky Mormon hell dream for a whole day, which one of your idols would you like to be there with you? <laughs> David Attenborough. Would you? Yeah. He could just narrate your I experience. Know. It was, his voice just calms me so much. Oh, amazing. <laughs> you know how, obviously, they have a saying in the show, has to dig a what? Yeah. So what's your favorite British slang or saying that has found its way into your, your vocabulary? Because you've been here for a while now. Yeah, eight months. It's funny because I think what's it's difficult for me because a lot of my friends who have moved here have immediately got a British accent. And so I think I've been trying so hard to speak in my Australian accent and maintain that, that I've kind of been blocking out things. <laughs> No, you gotta you gotta be proud of where you come yeah, from. Yeah, so. I think so. I think that's you move somewhere, and that's it's what makes me unique. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What's your favorite place in London? My favorite place in London is now like around Hackney. Okay. Very specific. Uh, because it's green and there's cafes. That's somewhere I want to move, I think. And you know how Elder Price is obviously obsessed with Orlando? Mm-hmm. So if you could go on an all-expenses-paid holiday right this second, where would you go? <gasps> oh, I love to travel. Do you know where I'd go? Antarctica. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very particular. So I've set myself the goal of going to all continents before I'm 30, and I've only got three left. And in two weeks, I'm going to Morocco, so that counts Africa out. And the only last two are South America and Antarctica. And I've always dreamt of going to Antarctica. And lastly, if you could step into my shoes for a bit, okay. what would you have asked to yourself that I didn't? Does this make you happy? Does it? It does. I think it wavers. It always interests me with this job, being a performer, that some people do it because they love it, Some people do it because they're good at it and some people do it for other reasons. But I think as soon as you stop loving it and as soon as it stops making you happy, I think it's time to do something else. And if it doesn't make you happy, then you need to find what's making you happy because life's too short. Brilliant. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Alex. My absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, then please consider giving us a rate and review. This would help me tremendously in reaching more theater fans and also getting more guests on this show. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You know, I'm always just one message away on Instagram and you can find me at Goodversations. So let's get to know each other. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll talk to you again next Monday.